ironoverload.io presents Iron Overload No Bullshit Podcast with your co-host Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the UG info like you've never heard before. No bullshit, no lies, straight hardcore truth. A bodybuilding podcast like you never heard before. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, ironoverload.io hardcore episode 58 today we're going to do why should you cycle your training so this one is going to be a very important topic and we're going to get into this uh not a lot of podcasts out there do training podcasts not a lot of these social media influencers do training um the only training they do is they'll show you training and it's like a bunch of people like uh, acting like maniacs you know to try to get clicks you know or it's them getting in a fight at the gym while they're doing the, their their set or something like that, just to get some clicks, just to get some some media attention or whatnot. So I mean, you know, how many podcasts actually sit down and actually discuss training with you? So I'm gonna bring in Mobster first. Mobster, um, this was a topic that came to you, um, and you wanted to definitely do it. So why don't you start us off on cycling training? Why that's important. Right. So Steve, what Steve just said about what's popular, what gets traction, et cetera, is so true, Steve. I mean, kind of the three things that make you successful in any endeavor, but specifically when it comes to bodybuilding, weightlifting, our thing, call it what you like. One is obviously nutrition, Steve. The second, and it's probably number one really, is consistency. And the third is training. But I've watched, God knows, Steve, thousands and thousands of videos of top professional athletes, especially bodybuilders and strongmen training. And there is zero conversation or very close to zero conversation about the training protocols. And to be fair, sometimes the actual specific protocol of an actual athlete is it's specific to them. So it can be kind of boring. And yet there are certain progressive systems, et cetera. I mean, the 5v5, but uh, West Side, all those kind of things, and all these kind of things work. But here's here's the sort of foundational conversation that we ought to be having with people, especially if you're new to the sport. Now, Steve and I have touched on this in other podcasts when we said progression isn't linear, uh, and it's important to discuss that at the beginning. Right. So something that Steve Smith said, and I've agreed with him. We said if progression was linear from when we started decades ago so where we are now both of us should be 400 pounds body weight and bench pressing a thousand pounds and we should never have had time off we should never have had to ease back we should never have had niggling injuries or whatever else we should have just constantly got better slowly but surely a half a pound here a pound there five pounds ten pounds 15 kilos on the bar and so on and so forth to the point where we were bench both bench pressing a thousand pounds and being like i just said 400 pounds body weight in reality the, that's impossible. Even if we were the absolute best athletes on the planet with the greatest genetic predisposition for gaining muscle and strength, progression is not linear. And because progression is not linear, nor should training be. So then we talk about cycling. What does cycling of training mean? It means there are times when you go hard and you look for that extra 3 4 5%, and there are times when you ease off. And as I said to Stephen in the pre-show, I'm specifically thinking, because a lot of the rest of our podcasts about performance-enhancing drugs, I'm specifically thinking, Steve, of when I'm on, 
cycle, when I'm using PEDs, when I'm using PEDs, that's when I should be looking for progression at this point in my training career, my training, whatever you want to call it, Steve, my life of lifting. I'm looking to get into new spaces mentally, new spaces physically in terms of muscle size, body weight, and whatever else. And this applies to everybody else, regardless of my age now as I do this podcast, but also especially for me, new places in the gym, a new PB, a new record. Now, I'm also at that age, Steve, where I'm not going to get stronger or bigger or heavier or have a much you know, more developed bicep at this point again. But there are other places and other things that I can do that I can get into mentally, physically, and capable-wise, capability-wise in terms of my progression. So quite simply, and I'll use a very simple analogy, and I'll bring Steve in in a second. When we started, let's say for argument's sake, that when me and Steve started, we could bench press the bar. Probably more than that, but let's just use that as an argument. And at some point, after a year of training, we was able to bench press the bar and one plate on each side. So 135 pounds, American 132 pounds, 60 kilos, European metric. Uh, so we'd progressed. We'd added 40 kilos. We'd added 90 pounds to the bar. Now, I can't keep doing that all the time. So one of the tricks would have been to change the way that we trained, to ease off, to drop back, say, for example, Steve, to 100 pounds. And then as we started again, progressing again, the next time that we try to hit a bigger number, it's another five pounds on each side of the bar. And then we ease back to 110 or 115 pounds. And the next time it's 150, it's 160 pounds on the bar and so on. So that's cycling the training. Now, I'm using that as a very simple analogy with a bench press, but it applies to every single thing that we do. As an example, uh, top professional bodybuilders might eat a peak of body weight in the off-season but they don't stay super heavy all the time. They're obviously looking to get lean and cut for competition. Athletes, um, let's use, I'll bring Steve in for this. Uh, and I've done this analogy for football and rugby. Steve, Steve can talk about American football. No single athlete, I don't care how much they're getting paid, $100 million a year contracts, whether it's golf or American football, whatever, is 100 miles an hour, 100% capable all year round. They use great strength and conditioning coaches, beautiful rehab, massage, physio, great nutrition. But it is impossible for that athlete to be on point every single game all year. And the same science that applies to them applies to our listeners and just Joe's trying to go down the gym and get into shape. And on that particular subject, Steve, what a good strength and conditioning coach for a big American football team would do was have periods of the year where some athletes are ready to go 100 miles an hour at 100%, they're absolute best, and other athletes that they bring on for the next game who are, are at that level and at that, that stage of readiness. And then all the team, especially if you're talking about, for example, the Super Bowl, every single player should be at their absolute best for the Super Bowl. But it is physically impossible to have the whole team at 100% for every single game all the time. You have literally peaks and troughs of ability, peaks and troughs of strength, peaks and troughs of when you gain muscle. And that's how the body works in, in nature, and it's how it works in sports science, and it's how we apply those kind of methodologies and that thinking process today. So I'll bring you in now, Steve, just to talk about uh, how American football or any big American sport cannot have the team all at their best all the time. 
Yeah. Um, so our bodies, we're not robots. So it's very, very important to remember that um, if you do the same type of training over and over and over, you're basically just going to create imbalances. And eventually what's going to end up happening, and I, you know, I've had arguments with guys on the forums over the years about this. A lot of guys, you know, the um, they're like, oh, you know, what does it matter if I just go in there and they just train my upper body? For example, or what does it matter if I just go in there and, and do my do bench? I try to get strong on my bench. Well, what's going to end up happening is you're going to be like super strong on the bench, and you're going to have a weak back. You're going to have weak legs. It's going to create imbalances. Um, it's going to mess with your posture. It's going to mess with your uh, spine health. It's going to mess with 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 a lot of things. Your neck. It's going to mess with a lot of things that that's going on. And that's a huge mistake that people do. Um, they they don't they don't. They create imbalances through weight training. Um, it's it's the whole thing behind take a guy who's been going to the gym for five years or 10 years straight consistently really bust his ass in the gym and then be like, all right, bro, come with me this weekend to do a 5K. Let's see how you do running a 5K. Then they come with you to do the 5K. They're like, well, I'm weight training. Weight training is cardio. How many times do people say that? Weight training is cardio. And then they go out in the 5K and, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, just pace yourself, take your time, blah, blah, blah. They're like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll keep up with you. I've had this happen. I've had guys always challenge me. Oh, yeah, Steve, I'll go out there and I'll do a 5K with you. So they go out there and then we take off, right? And then, like, I'm, they'll last about a mile. They're in pretty good shape. They'll last a mile. Then I look back and they're walking. And I'm still running. So it's just like. You've got to balance your training. It's important to cycle your training and not just focus. Your body will punish you if you don't cycle your training. It has ways to punish you. Um, and at the end of the day, you're going to get injuries. You're going to get imbalances. There's going to be things that fall off. Your, your wagon is going to start losing wheels along the way. So pro athletes, like Mobster said, just in itself, they have – they're in the – in season and then they have off seasons then leading into the season they don't just jump to week one of the season or the first game of the season they start out with mini camps they then they they transition to training camp then they transition to preseason and then that's kind of their practice that's their warm-up to gear up for the regular season then boom the regular season's here and then you have the playoffs and then the championship game if you're lucky enough to get there and then that's it then everyone goes home, they go play golf, and they, they take a break from it. They go take trips, they take vac vacations and stuff like that just to get their mind off of it. And then during the offseason, they're working out here and there, you know, and then they'll come back. Now, if you're a player that's really trying to make the roster during the offseason, you got to bust your ass in the offseason to try to get that body memory to be Look so you look good in training camp in the first place because if you don't look good in training camp, you're screwed. But if you're an established player and you're under contract, you have a lot of guaranteed money, and you look average in training camp, you know, it's not that big a deal. Um, so many players over throughout history have just skipped training camp completely and they just show up for week one. Barry Sanders was one of those players, he never even played really preseason and and then you know brett Favre, even though he's a piece of shit he would always skip you know preseason and camp to show up week one and he'd be ready to go um some people have that ability because they have that body memory already built up but if you're just starting out 
in weight training especially, you've got to diversify your training. You've got to cycle it. I don't care if it's cycling, going from a split routine to a full body routine to going from compound lifting, whatever. You got to cycle it a little bit. Um, but I do recommend when you first weight train to stick to more compound lifting and learn the basics of this stuff. Because if you don't know how to do a proper squat or a proper bench press or a proper deadlift or pull-ups or push-ups and, and dips and these types of big compound movements, then that's not going to transition you over the long term. So build that skill early. Just like these football players, they build the skills. They've been playing football since they were four or five years old. And granted, yeah, a lot of you guys are going to email in. You're like, oh, Steve, this player didn't start playing until he was in high school. There are a few like that. But the vast majority, 99%, have been playing football since they were three, four years old. So they got an advantage. They've tried different training. They've worked with different coaches. They've had that diversification to, to themselves, right, of their training. And that has allowed them to build a really, really good foundation to become professionals at it. Now you're sitting here, you're gym rats. You're not professional bodybuilders. Most of you will never even compete and that's fine. You know, Mobster and I have competed at different things, powerlifting, endurance sports, triathlons, all kinds of things. You may never compete in anything and that's fine. You don't have to, but you still have to cycle your training because now, like I said, you're dealing with injuries. You got to worry about injuries. So many guys in the gym, Mobster, they go to the gym and I see them doing the same workout day in and day out. And they end up, you know, with problems. They end up with, with, with they, they tell me, they're like, Steve, I, I have to take aspirin just to go to sleep. I have to take sleep medication just to go to sleep because I'm in so much pain. Because you built up imbalances throughout your lifting career. And that's not good. So we've got to, we've got to make sure that we're training properly. And you've got to kind of diversify yourself and cover all bases when you train. So at the end of the day, look, imbalances are important. Those guys that, look, those guys um, that they do the same workout every time in the gym, they are good at whatever they're doing. I, they do the same routine. They can bench press a Buick. They're fucking strong as fuck. But then, you know, if they can't fucking roll shit in the gym, they can't do any anything else. They, they, they can bench good. You know, but they're not getting, they're not diversifying their, their body. They're, they're creating imbalances all over the body. So it's very important to make sure that there is a strategy to this. It's not just going into the gym and just doing bench press and going home. Go ahead, monster. Yeah, look, guys, the way that I look at any of this stuff, and, and I'm fortunate enough to have been in that position a few times, is I was able to... I wanted to learn how to be world class. I wanted to learn how to get records. And I especially wanted to learn how to win competitions. Right. So what I do is I go away, like any of us, and especially now with the age of the internet and accessibility of information and this podcast, of course, I can go away and I can pick the brains of, I've been lucky to be able to do that from read books on peak performance, not just in weightlifting and bodybuilding, but in football and soccer and boxing and whatever else. Find out what motivates and inspires those people. So this is going to be an example. I've mentioned this on other shows. I would normally peak for a competition once, maybe twice a year. A couple of times I tried four times a year. And for whatever reason, I didn't like it because I needed to push myself into a certain place. I wasn't really that good 
or as good as I would want it to be if I tried to peak four times a year, four training cycles, four PED cycles, whatever. It just didn't suit me, didn't like it, didn't perform as well as I, I could. As a great example, and it's the old hammering the nail a hundred times. Once that nail is in, there's no point keeping it with a hammer. And as an example, again, so I've been fortunate to, I think in one example, Steve briefly held the world record in the two hand pinch. Well, I think at that time was 117 and a half kilos. So I don't know, what's that? 250 something pounds ish. Um, and I say briefly, there was no way I was going to pull that kind of weight again. If I'd had another competition in four weeks time or six weeks time, maybe if I'd had another competition in six months time, I'd have got close to or around that number or might have lifted a bit more and got closer or beaten the fellow that's just beaten me for the world record and so on and so forth. But I couldn't do it weekly. Absolutely not. No way. I could pull all day long and twice on a Sunday, as they say, 90 kilos, 100 kilos. And if there was someone in there giving me pressure and we were giving each other shit in the gym or whatever else, and they were really good at it and I was really good at it, on a, on a given day, 105, 110 kilos, so 220, 230 pounds, but not, not 117 and a half kilos. And the same thing applies. This is the thing, right? When you're young, and I've actually made a note here, when you're young, you can get away with so much shit. And your ability to progress is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Double your bench press, put six inches on your chest, two inches on your biceps and so on. But equally, it takes, this is the stuff with the science coming as far as your body's concerned, it takes a while for your body to get used to that new bicep size, used to the new body weight, used to being able to do more weight than you've ever done before in your life on the bench press. And it's a prize whether you're young or old. It's just that you get away with more and could do more and progress more. And part of the reason you progress more when you're younger is literally your age. I would expect you to do fantastically well on your first cycle. I would expect you to do fantastically well the first time you went to the gym. I'd also expect you to be god-awful sore and in, in hell the first few times. But eventually your body gets used to it. Now, we've touched upon uh, what's called homeostasis, which is essentially it's very, very difficult to get your body to change. It's precisely why we use PEDs at this point after we've been in it for a while. And, and it's also, you know, in that particular way, it's, it's, it's why you need to have those kind of things at the back of your mind. So if you're a new person to the gym, you would do incredibly well. But if I was your coach, if I was your PC, if I was a gym owner, whatever else, let's say how you're doing. Okay, Steve Smee, you're up to three plates aside on a squat. Uh, let's have you drop back to two and a half plates. But at the end of this training cycle, we're going to have three and a half plates aside on the squat. And then next year, you're going to be doing four. And a year after, you're going to be doing four and a half. But what you're not going to be doing is three plates again and again and again, hitting the wall hitting the, the 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 stops if you like putting your foot down and i've used this analogy before steve revving that engine constantly and it's almost like you're trying to get the car to go faster when you're right up into the red you can't do that your body won't let you do it it doesn't do it in nature we, we literally adapt very very slowly and we can force adaption when we're younger we can force adaption when we're new to something but in order to get that little one percent or two percent better year on year has to be an easing off a rest period a like a, what we call a run-up and then a 
getting into the when it starts to get difficult when you're at around a kind of 80 percent of your maximum and it's going to apply to physical exercise like steve said running a 5k or increasing your bench press or sticking another quarter inch on your bicep there's a period of time when you ease off there's a period of time when you get into the work and then there's a period of time at the end of that training cycle when you're right in it, you are right up against the buffers, you're right into the red, and you're forcing that quarter-inch growth. You are forcing another plate, small plate, big plate, onto the bar. And then you ease back off, and this especially applies, like I said earlier on, guys, when you're in using performance-enhancing drugs. Even applies to food, Steve. I mean, look, <laughs> that's a growth thing again. That's kind of a point, and I'm just using nutrition for a second here, Steve, where... To get really, really big requires such an amount of food. You've almost got to get used to digesting it. You've almost got to get used to, to just forcing that amount of food down. I know some seriously big guys, and I've touched on this before, and I'll use an analogy just for nutrition, Steve. When Eddie Hall decided he was going to do the 500-kilo uh, deadlift in, in, a, in a strongman competition, there were periods in there when I think he got up to something stupid like 420 pounds body weight, and his wife, still married to her now, talked about having to spoon feed him on the last few weeks. So he was the last meal of the day. He was super tired. And she literally was like, another mouthful, another mouthful. And she actually put the food in his mouth like a baby because he was just so tired, sitting over the table, couldn't eat another mouthful, trying to force that food down to get 420 pounds body weight just to get into the place that enabled him to pick up 1,100 pounds off the floor. Since then, no one else has done it, either mentally or physically. If you come close, there are actually people physically that might be better suited for it in terms of forcing themselves. Obviously, um, Ford did the 501, but no one has seems to have since then, the two of them within a year of each other. It's the last four years, nothing. No one's got really close. If there's a mental thing or a physical thing. And even the guys that look like they might are having to sort of have a run-up. have got days when I can do 460 kilos, days when I can do 470 kilos, but there's not quite the 500 kilos there. There's a mental thing, Steve. And I use this analogy, guys, again, outside of the gym. Let's say that you work in an office. Let's say that your job is, I don't know, selling staples and staplers to offices. And you have a day when you are on fire. You have made every single phone call. You've hit all your targets. You have absolutely done the best sales week you've ever done in your life you've sold more staples and more staplers than anybody else in the company's history ever will you do it next week probably not because you had a week when everything was that every call was sweet every conversation was on point the people that you rung up were ready to order every single thing you've hit the targets you hit the rewards you've been given the bonuses but can you do that every week no what you might be able to do is go away and teach people how to be on fire but they probably never get to your record after you've just got the company record. And if it applies in selling staples and staples, it applies to driving a car at the best, around a racetrack and just not, not making a mistake all afternoon. Every single athlete out there makes mistakes. Every single athlete wants to be better. And every single person that goes to the gym should, should want to be that little bit leaner, little bit stronger, a little bit more muscular, a little bit more weight on the bar. Some of you just like going to the gym. You're not listening to this podcast. Those people that want to progress, those people that want to learn, those people want to be better are listening to this podcast. And they, they need to learn that sometimes you can go absolute balls out, 100 miles an hour, no one can beat you. You're the best damn goddamn uh, staple gun, staple selling motherfucker that's ever existed ever, or the best bench press ever, or you've got the, the nastiest looking biceps in your gym and you are on fire this week and then you need to ease off Take a step back, have a breather, ease up on the nutrition, 
get a bit more rehabbing, give it a couple of weeks, and then start progressively working towards the next quarter of an inch, the next five kilos, the next whatever, the next big sales push in a different area that you were selling staples in before. It doesn't matter. But no one, no one is completely linear, 100% constantly improving all the time. And once you learn that, you learn how to ease off that cycle down and then the cycle back up. Now, for example, Steve, and I'll just use the PEDs analogy here. Even those guys that like to take high amounts, we call that blasting, cruise. What is cruise? Cruise is easing down. Cruise is easing off. Now, I'm not a fan of that at all, but it's still not high amounts of PEDs all the time. It's still easing off. Explain what we mean by those peaks and troughs, the blast and the cruising, and we can apply it to training and nutrition as well as PEDs, Steve. So, I mean, I, look, as human beings, as anything, you can watch your dog or cat progress. You know, you get a kitten, it grows into an adult. You get a dog, it grows into an adult. It's going to be ups and downs. Some days your dog is not, you know, they're going to be running around the yard. They're not going to be full speed. They're not going to be able to catch that rabbit in the backyard. The the cat, some days you let your cat out. It's not going to come home with a rat. It's not going to come home with a mouse. It's not going to come home with a bird. You know, it's not going to have a good day hunting. You know, it's just you're going to have ups and downs throughout nature. It's how Mother Nature wanted it, all right? If the cat every day came down with five, came home with five rats, you know, that would that it wouldn't make any sense. There wouldn't be any rats left if every cat was able to do that, you know? So there's a, always going to be a challenge to, to things in life. It's always challenging. A lot of people quit on weightlifting and they quit on bodybuilding because it's a challenge. It's hard to... To when it comes to strength or putting on muscle, it's hard to put on more strength and more muscle than what our body wants to keep on for survival. It's very hard. This is why when you get older, what happens? Your body wastes muscle on purpose. It's a it's a survival mechanism to keep you alive longer. You don't see pro bodybuilders, okay? For today's standards of pro bodybuilders. Live long lives for a reason. Because when you're holding a ton of muscle mass, you don't live that long. So what, how do, what do guys like Arnold do? Guys like Arnold, when they get older, they they don't have as much muscle on their frame. They muscle waste. That's that's by design. I'm sure um, someone like Arnold, who's still alive, we're doing this podcast, he's still alive and he's still doing quite well. He has done a good job of going to the doctor's He's getting on the proper medications that he needs. He's gotten whatever tests done to make sure his heart and his kidneys are good. His liver is good. Um, all this stuff. And his organ health is, is, is maintained. He stays in good shape. He eats fantastically. Um, and he makes sure that he is always on top of things. If something is off, he right away goes to the doctor and gets tested for it. That's what you should be doing. All right. Nobody likes going to the doctor. Nobody likes going to the dentist either. It's not fun, okay, going to the dentist and being tortured for an hour. But you got to do it. If you want to keep your teeth healthy, you got to do it, right? So it's the same thing. So nobody likes doing the things that, you know, the, the fun things aren't that aren't fun, the warming up. Nobody likes doing that, do they? Nobody likes stretching, the mobility work. No one likes doing that. This is why people go to yoga classes. People like me go to yoga classes. Because when you're in a yoga class and there's a bunch of hot chicks and tight yoga uh, pants around you, it motivates you to stretch. It motivates you to, to do mobility work. That's why people go to a physical therapist 
even though I think most physical therapists are garbage, you got to find a good physical therapist, but a really, really good physical therapist, the ones that train athletes, go there to increase your mobility, go there to work on your imbalances. Those, they're able to help you. These are the, these are the physical therapists after a pro athlete blows out their ACL or their Achilles. That's the people they go to the rehab. Those are the good ones. Don't go to the one uh, down the street at a little corner place, whatever, Cora, whatever those places are. Where the people they took like a two year class and they they gave them a, a, a you know a paperwork saying they're a certified physical therapists they don't know jack shit about physical therapy they don't know jack shit about sports it's the same thing you've got to take care of your body one way or the other you want to pay someone to coach you to take care of your body go for it if you're if you're that lazy but me I like to do most of this shit on my own and I like to take care of my body and go and. Cycling your training isn't just cycling weight training. It's also cycling your warm-ups. It's cycling your 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 flexibility and working on your on your stretching and all that kind of stuff too. Um, a lot of gyms now they have different things now. They have stretch rooms. They have places where you can work on bands. They have medicine balls where you can stretch and and stretch out your spine. You know, lay, lay on the medicine ball and put your 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 hands on the ground behind you and really get that spine stretch. Your spines are like question marks. As weightlifters, you got to get them looking like explanation points. And by doing that, you've got to stretch out that spine. You got to get those discs uh, decompressed in the process. You know, so these are things we got to do as weightlifters to cover all our bases as we get older. If you want to do this long term and be healthy, that's what you got to do. You know, that's what you got to do. So you're fighting nature when you want to put on muscle mass. As you get older, it's going to be harder to maintain that muscle mass in the process. That's what nature wants. So if you want to really, really put on muscle mass when you're, you know, when you're able to, you can get older and still be a muscular guy, but you're not going to be able to hold as much muscle because that's, that's a survival mechanism. Um, it doesn't matter. It could be muscle mass or it could be fat mass. It doesn't matter. You're not gonna have, not gonna live a long, healthy lifestyle when you when you have a lot of mass on your frame. But you can definitely have lean muscle mass and get older. I just want to be clear about that. That's what I'm gonna do. But by, by the time I'm in my 60s, 70s, that's what I'm gonna do: lean muscle mass on my frame and still look good and still have a four pack or six pack. That's what yeah. you should be striving for long term. Go ahead, monster. Yeah. Let me use an analogy here, guys. <clears throat> and I've touched on this in a couple of shows before. Steve and I talked about this. There's a couple of things here. So. Your fairy godmother taps on your window and says, how much muscle would you like to add, young man, young lady? And you go, I'd love to put on 20 pounds of tissue, raw muscle all over my body, on my shoulders, on my pecs, on my arms, everything else. And she waves her magic wand and ta-da, you suddenly have 20 pounds of muscle tissue. It sounds amazing. And I've used this in other shows. In reality, it takes you quite a while to get used to that 20 pounds. Your knees don't like it. Your shoulders don't like it. You're, you're connect, you, you asked for 20 pounds of muscle. You didn't ask for better connective tissue. You didn't ask for thicker bones. You didn't ask for digestion that's going to handle the extra food you're going to eat. You just asked for the 20 pounds. It's the old trick with the free magic, the free wishes, Steve. You've got to get the wishes right. And so this is the thing where your body requires time to get used to new size, new strength, and so on and so forth. Peak performance, and we take these analogies and these ideas from other sports, is impossible 100% of the year. It's just impossible. And typically, and I've made a note here of 16 weeks, it's roughly four times a year, which is about 12 weeks. In, for me, it was always around 16 weeks, but that was me personally. 
But really, it's about four times a year, every 12 weeks, 48. And then you've got a few weeks here when you're resting and rehabbing and recovering and the off-season when you're not playing as hard and so on. So there's there's an ability there for your body. And again, notice, for example, Steve, that 12 weeks is roughly seasonal, autumn, winter, spring, summer. It, it, it's this, it, your peaks and troughs. We've talked about how easy it is to gain weight and bulk in the wintertime and how that little bit easier to be cut and lose weight in the summertime because we're working with nature. And I said homeostasis is that, and I use a loose definition here, is the body wanting to stay the way that it is and you're having the force adaption, force shaving seconds off your 5K, force your body to get young better at bench pressing or whatever else, or playing golf, or throwing a dart, or kicking a ball. You have to get, there's years of practice putting in, years of skill, years of lifting weights, years of eating more food than you ever would have eaten if you hadn't done the particular sport that you chose, and so on and so forth. And literally, sometimes, for example, here, Steve, it might just be as simple as learning something different. So, for example, we'll probably touch on this another show. It can, it, it, you don't even have to cycle as such. How many of you change your routine through the year? You deliberately do this routine that this person's recommended, and this is what I'm doing for my whole body. It includes my chest, my back, and my arms, and so on and so forth. And then three to four months later, sometimes less, sometimes more, you completely change the routine up. Now, I'm a great fan of kind of sticking with what works, but I still don't go 100% all the time. I will ease up. I will occasionally do a little bit more volume for me. It's all a retrospective. It's all what works for me versus what works for you, but I won't press that pedal hard to the floor year round. And I will allow my body to get used to new size, new strength, new weights, more food, less food, and so on. Great example, Steve, just recently doing the cut, the first week to 10 days was for energy. And then eventually my body kind of caught up and got used to the idea that I was going to be putting less calories in and that I was going to be doing more cardio. But it took that long for my body to go, hey, where's the food? Why is he doing more steps? You know, so it's that kind of situation. And, and we think, or we'd like to think, and especially true when we're new to the sport, that these things are, oh, if I just do this, and if I just go to the gym this many times, I'm obviously going to get, no, 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 if only. If the amount of time guys say, I'm in the gym for hours. So the gym owner's in the gym longer than you are. Hours in the gym doesn't mean anything. The amount of times I go per week, doesn't mean anything it's how hard you train but it's also about those periods of the year when you ease off the training and you go hard on the training so guys keep that in mind by all means come onto the forums hit us up in the in the, in the notes and the comments talk about it we can give you some indicators come onto the forums especially ask us and again the guys do logs set up training programs and just give you a good indication of where you should be now where you could be in a few months time and then when you how to ease back down a little bit higher than your starting point last time and so on and so forth. Hopefully you enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your comments as always. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only for the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.